think that in view of the present distress it is good for a person to remain as he is are you bound to a wife do not seek to be free are you free from a wife do not seek a wife but if you do marry you have not sinned and if a betrothed woman marries she has not sinned yet those who marry will have worldly troubles and i would spare you that this is what i mean brothers the appointed time has grown very short from now on let those who have wives live as though they had none and those who mourn as though they were not mourning and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing and those who buy as though they had no goods and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it for the present form of this world is passing away i want you to be free from anxieties the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the of the lord how to please the lord but the married man is anxious about the worldly things how to please his wife and his interest are are divided and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the lord how to be holy in body and spirit but the married man is anxious about worldly things how to please his husband i say this for your own benefit not to lay any restraint upon you but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the lord Good morning church. We've reached chapter 7 in our study of the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and Johnny read to us from verse 26 to verse 35. And in chapter 7 of the book of 1 Corinthians, it's like we've reached the second part of the entire book. Chapters 1 to chapter 6 is talking about one thing. and chapters 7 all the way to chapter 16 of the book of first corinthians is like a second part i hope you remember last time when we were studying first corinthians chapter 6 i stopped at verse 20 and if you would look at your bibles in first corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 this is the verse that is the foundational part of the second part of the book of first corinthians because it says in verse 20 you were bought at a price therefore honor god with your body therefore honor god with your body now the most obvious or the most immediate question that would arise when we read this verse is how then do i honor god with my physical body how can i become a born again believer how do we as a church how does calvary bible fellowship honor god with our physical body and in order to understand that we need to study chapters 7 to chapter 16 but today i want to look at chapter 7 and in chapter 7 apostle paul talks about the most important topic regarding marriage so my theme for the message today is like this becoming a church that honors marriage becoming a church that honors marriage one of the ways how you and i can honor god with our physical body is by becoming a church that honors marriage because that is the topic of the passage today 
You remember how the writer in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, he himself says marriage is honorable in, in all things. That means all born again believers must respect the authority of marriage ordained by God. And that's what I want to talk to us today. How can we as a church become a church that honors marriage in the eyes of a holy God? But there are various topics within marriage that we need to understand that Apostle Paul very clearly discusses in chapter 7. Let me explain it in this way. You go to an office, you go to any place today and if they give you a form to fill, those forms would have certain questions that you need to fill up, right? Questions that are personal. For example, your name or your age. And then there is a most important question that would arise there that says marital status. Once upon a time, there were only two columns to fill. You are either a single or you are married. But today those columns have grown and grown and grown and grown. There are some people who are single. There are some people who are married. There might be some who are divorced. There are some who are widows or widowers. And you know, this is the same concept that happens in the church as well. And Apostle Paul addresses all of these marital status in chapter 7. He talks about those who are singles. He talks about those of us who are in a marriage relationship. He talks of those of us who are widows, widowers. And you know, as a family of God, we are responsible for everyone. And our marital status is very, very important to Lord. To the Lord. And Apostle Paul explains these statuses and the responsibilities for each of these status in chapter 7. Now can you just take a moment and look at this chapter along with me? You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 2 to 6 is talking about the status of a husband and a wife within marriage. Okay, listen very carefully. Chapter uh, 7 verses 2 to 6 is about a husband and a wife in their marriage relationship. Verses 7 is talking about the singleness. Now let me clarify. Singleness meaning celibacy. There are those appointed by God not to enter into marriage only for the sole purpose to be involved in a particular ministry set by God. Only those people are supposed to live a celibate life. Now what is the meaning of that is explained in verses 7. Now you look at verses 8 and 9. It's talking about widows and widowers. Those that are there in the church of God who would have lost their spouse, whose spouse are now resting in the presence of the Lord, and how we as a church must care for them. You look at verses 10 to 11. It's talking about a marriage that is there between born-again believers. A believing husband marrying a believing wife. And you look at verses 12 to 16. It's talking about marriage between a believer and an unbeliever. Now before I go any further, I want to clarify something. Apostle Paul does not say that divorce is okay. Apostle Paul does not say that believers can marry unbelievers. Because he is mentioning it here. What he is indirectly trying to say is this, that those who are not of the faith, who would have committed divorce, and after they have come into the faith, and when they came into the assembly, they realized that what they did was wrong. Because nowhere in the Bible does it teach that divorce is alright. To such a person, what must be done is dealt in those verses. 
That is the same case of a believer marrying an unbeliever. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that believers are permitted to marry unbelievers. But before they came to the faith, if they were married to each other, and if one of the spouse heard the gospel, received the Lord Jesus Christ, comes into the church, they have a question. What must I do with my unbelieving wife? What must I do with my unbelieving husband? And in such a case, Apostle Paul mentions the criteria and the responsibilities that you and I have towards each other. Am I making sense? So these are the different marital statuses that is mentioned in chapter 7. And you and I will fall into any one of these categories. There might be some of us who are single. There must be some of us who are waiting to get married. There must be some of us who are already in a marriage relationship and we are waiting for the Lord to bless us with children. There are some of us who are already in marriage and have children, beautiful children that we enjoy. There are some of us whose spouse would have been promoted to glory. And no matter what our marital status is, the principle for that status is explained in the verses that Johnny read to us, verses 26 to verse 35. What I mean to say is this, or what Apostle Paul means to teach by the work of the Holy Spirit is this, whether you are a single, whether you are a husband, whether you are a wife, whether you are a father, whether you are a mother, whether we are widows or not, no matter what status we go through, the principles within our marriage is what we understand from verses 26 to verse 35. And from these verses, there are three important principles that I want to teach us that we need to fulfill in our Christian life, irrespective of the status that you and I are in. Three important principles that you and I need to follow in the marital status that we are going through during our phase of life in this world. Number one, listen very carefully to me, verse 26 to 28, facing distress because of persecution. Facing distress because of persecution. Let me read to you verse 26 to 28. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. Distress because of persecution. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, Christian life in itself is full of problems. It's full of difficulties. Or as this passage and context suggests, Christian life is full of persecution. So much so, that if you would turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 12, if you look at that passage very quickly, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 12, Apostle Paul very clearly teaches that everybody who desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. So the only way how you and I can escape persecution is by not living a godly life. But if it is the intention of every born-again believer to live a holy Christian life, you will be persecuted. You will go through persecution. Now listen to me very carefully. Persecution is not talking about what the boss does to you in your office. Persecution is not talking about the problems and difficulties we go through. Persecution is talking about the problems we face because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when we stand for the truth of the gospel, Jesus Christ himself says that the world will persecute you because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And Apostle Paul chapter 7 verse 26 to 28, he says, Remember your marital status because you will go through distress because of persecution. For singles, it might be a little more easy to go through persecution because you are alone. But think of us as families. But whether we are single, whether we are married or not, let's all ask ourselves that important question. In the midst of persecution, if I have to stand for the faith of the gospel, if I have to lay down my life, how strong am I to face the persecution as a result of the gospel? Ask yourself that question. Whether you are single or whether you are married. Whether you are a father, whether you are a mother. Ask yourself that important question. You know, we only hear about persecution that is there in the north of India, but slowly it is creeping in. There are places in Bangalore where people's lives are being lost for the sake of the gospel. And we know when you look around this world that the way world is going through utter chaos. And it's not going to get any better. Persecution is slowly going to creep in. It's going to come inside. Probably it would even enter our church. And if someone were to walk in, with a gun or a knife and would put it to our throats and say, are you willing to lay down your life? How would you and I respond? Would we go through distress in the midst of persecution? You know, in the gospel of Mark chapter 10 verse 32, you don't have to turn there. Rebichan exhorted to us from that passage and he reminded us as to how Jesus told his disciples about the persecution was going to happen and you read there, many became afraid. Many were afraid when they heard about what was going to happen when Jesus was going towards his death. And that is so true of you and me, born again believers. Persecution is at hand. Are we ready to face the persecution that you and I go through as born again believers? You know, when I was, when I was just thinking about it and last night for our family prayer, there was something that we read that really caught my attention. You know, there are two ways how you and I can face the persecution in our lives. One is discouragement. And the number two is trust. When you and I go through persecution, it is possible for us to respond through discouragements in life. When you and I are being persecuted for the sake of the gospel, it is possible for you and I to be discouraged because of that persecution. But the problem with discouragement is that it only leads to further problems. You and I can never be happy in discouragement. You and I can never be at peace we can never be filled with joy when you and I go through discouragement because of persecution. And the other reaction that you and I must have is the object of trust. Trusting in the Lord in the midst of persecution. Just as the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Say it along with me. Bless His holy name. Let's say the next verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and let us not forget His Benefits. How can you and I trust the Lord in the midst of persecution? By turning that attitude into praise. By giving glory and honor to God. When our life is going, when our life has to be laid down onto the ground for the sake of the gospel. And Apostle Paul, that's why in verse 26 he says, listen, considering the present situation, it's better that you are single. He's not saying that celibate life is the best. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you are married, stay married. If you are single, stay single. Because if you are single, it might be easier than the married couples to lay your life down for the gospel. But he's saying if you are married, be willing to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel. Imagine if somebody threatens our children for the sake of the gospel. Would we stand firm? Imagine if, if someone would threaten my wife and say deny Christ or I will kill her. What would I say? 
But that is going to happen very soon, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. We know so many evangelists, we know so many servants of the Lord who have lost their life for the sake of the gospel. But are you and I willing to do the same? How strong are you and I when we stand in the midst of persecution in our life? To the married people, I want to ask the same question. Am I willing to sacrifice my family? Am I willing to sacrifice my children? To the singles, I want to ask you the same question. If today, if someone of this world would say, prove how much you love the Lord by be willing to lay down your life, would you be willing to do that? Or do we go through distress in the midst of persecution? You know, all of us know that history teaches us about how Peter was crucified upside down. But I don't know how many of us know that before Peter was crucified upside down, they brought his wife in front of him. And they told Peter that if you do not deny the Lord Jesus Christ, we will kill her. And history teaches us that before, she, they, before they did anything, he said, can I talk to my wife? And when he spoke to his wife, he said, hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ. And history continues to teach that they killed his wife and they made him watch. And after they killed his wife, they told Peter, deny the Lord Jesus or we will kill you. And he said, go ahead, kill me. They said, we are going to crucify you like the Lord. He said, no, no, no. I'm not even worthy to die like my Lord Jesus Christ. You crucify me, but crucify me upside down. Brothers and sisters, we live such comfortable lives in the city of Bangalore. We are only complaining about water problems when it rains. Persecution is at hand. But do we go through distress because of persecution? If the Lord is going to ask us to lay down our life for the sake of the gospel... Ask ourselves, how would we respond? In the marital status that we are in right now, whether we are single, whether we are married, whether we are widows, whether we are fathers or mothers or husbands or wives, can we ask ourselves, am I a servant of the Lord that I am willing to lay down my life for the sake of the gospel? I know it's not an easy thing to do, but you know there is encouragement that comes from the word of God. Can we just turn to the gospel of John chapter 16 and verse 33? The gospel of John chapter 16 and verse 33. Look at this beautiful verse that the Lord Jesus himself says. John 16 verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart because I have. I have overcome the world. What a beautiful verse. I have overcome this world. It's okay even if I have problems and difficulties in this life. It's okay I go through persecution as I live in this world. Why? Because I live in the world that has been overcome already by the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. In 1 John chapter 4, the Holy Spirit speaks again and he talks about the Lord and he says, Lord, the Lord Jesus comforts his children and says, Understand, for he that is in you is greater than he that is. In the world. Indeed Satan is, 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 is strong. But our Lord Jesus is much more stronger. The Lord Jesus has in fact already overcome the world. So that you and I can look at the Lord Jesus and say Lord give me the grace to be a strong Christian. So that in the midst of persecution. Tomorrow when I go out with the word. When I go to work. If my boss tells me that because I'm a born again believer I would have to quit my job. I'm willing to do that. If I have to starve I'm willing to do that. If I have to be poor I'm willing to do that. Even if I have to lay down my life. I will not be discouraged Lord. But I want to be. Trusting you. 
Because you gave me your life to save a wretched sinner like me on the cross of Calvary. And I want to show you how much I appreciate that. Distress in the midst of persecution. How strong are we to face the persecution that will come upon us because we share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Number two, verses 29 to 31. He talks about being detached from temporal things. Verse 29 to 31. Number one, we saw about distress because of persecution. Number two, being detached from temporal things. Verse 29 to 31. Let me read it for you. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. You know time is very short brothers and sisters. The end is at hand. The world is slowly passing away. And I believe that this passage is talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what Apostle Paul is trying to say here is that live your marital status in the view of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Live your marital status in the view of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means if you are a single person, in your singleness, look towards the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the coming of the Lord tarries and if he raises up a godly spouse, get married. But until that time comes, do nothing else but look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. As married women, as married men, fathers and mothers, widows and widowers, let us all live our marital life by looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the sense that when I stand in the presence of the Lord, when he's entrusted a wife to me, he will ask me how faithful I was to my wife. That if I fulfilled all of my marital duties towards her, in taking care of her, teaching her, admonishing her in the light of the world. And let us live our lives in the light of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, a simple question. How do I do that? How do I live out my marital status in the view of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen carefully to me. Three things I want to tell you from this passage. Number one, detach. That's what he exactly says in verses 9. Because the uh, verse is 29. Because the coming of the Lord is at hand and because he's coming quickly, detach. Detach from what? From all temporary things. Detach from all temporary things. Do not let anything hold you, bind you down. Do not hold on to anything that would bind you down. Detach from everything else. Do not let anything hold you down, my brothers and sisters. Because when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, you're not going to take it with you. Nobody is going to take it with them. And we need to learn to detach. Let us learn to have relationships with other people, but not so much so that they bind us down. It's good for us to work, but let's not be detached to a work that we carry at home, that we are afraid of our boss. No, even in ministry. In all that we do, let us learn to detach from things. That belongs to this world. Things that are temporary. And it's so amazing how the spirit connects these thoughts. Through what Rebbe Chan shared and what Charles Chan shared. Charles Chan spoke about Alexander the Great. And what would it profit a man? If it gains the entire world but loses his? And there are so many believers living that kind of life today. Because the more that they have, the more they want to get. We need to learn 
to detach. Number two, listen carefully. Devotion to the Lord. Devotion to the Lord. How can I prepare for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as a single, as a husband, as a wife, father and mother? Love Him the most. Devotion to the Lord. Love Him the most. Give Him all the joy. Give Him all the glory. Nobody else gets my attention other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Quickly, if you just turn to me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. The Gospel of Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. It's so clear, I don't have to explain it. He cannot be my disciple. It's not talking about the attitude of hating those in your family. In comparison with the love that you have for God, your love for everybody else must be like you hate them. That means only what God tells me to do, I will do first. I will ask Him everything first before I ask my wife. Do we love the Lord the most? Do we have complete devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is it that our wives make all the decisions that are there at home? The Lord needs to get our complete devotion. The Lord needs to get my entire love. Detach from all temporary things. Devote yourselves completely to the Lord. Number three, duty. While you wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, fulfill your duty. If you are studying, study well. Excel in your studies. Don't simply get pass marks. You get what I am saying? Study well. You know, you sometimes sit at home on Sundays, miss worship and study. Get good marks. You get what I am saying? Those of us who are married, let's fulfill our duty. Let's be faithful to our spouse. Let's not pull them down in the midst of our friends. Let's not mock them. But rather treat them the way Christ would want us to treat our spouses. Fathers and mothers, let's raise our children in the way the Lord wants to raise our children. So that we have a godly generation. A generation that follows the Lord Jesus Christ. Until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, let us fulfill our duty. You know why we should fulfill our duty? So that at the end of ages when the Lord Jesus comes back into the world, He will look to us and He will say, My good and my... No, 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 louder. My good and my... That's all that we should desire to hear from the Lord. That's all that you and I should desire to hear from the Lord. My good and my faithful servant Jobin, who was a faithful husband to his wife. My good and my faithful servant Danny, who was a good student. My good and my faithful friend, whoever you may be, in whatever marital status that you and I are going through, can we fulfill our duty that the Lord has enabled us to fulfill? Think about it, brothers and sisters. Do we detach ourselves from temporary things? Or do we run run behind all of these things and forget the fact that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, I will carry nothing with me when I go into His presence? Because time is very short. We don't know if he'll even come today. And if he comes today, I don't want any of us to be caught unawares. I don't want any of us to stand in the presence of our Lord and wish if we could have done something more for the Lord Jesus Christ. The time is right now. Let me read another verse to you. Come turn with me to Romans chapter 13 and verse 11 to 14. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11 to 14. Look at what it says. Romans 13 verse 11 to 14. And do this understanding the present time. 
the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed the night is nearly over the day is almost here so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light let us behave decently as in the daytime not in orgies or drunkenness not in sexual immorality and debauchery not in dissension and jealousy rather clothe yourselves with the lord jesus christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature very simple mark these verses down my brothers and sisters and when you go back home ask yourself how can i prepare for the coming of the lord this is what we need to do we need to let go of our clothes that we wear in our darknesses and we need to clothe ourselves with light we need to let go of all the temporal things the things that we unnecessarily run behind the things that we know that will not carry all to eternity and run behind the things that are eternal whether we are a single person or whether we are married and while we detach ourselves let's devote ourselves to the lord jesus christ in all that we do and also let us learn to fulfill our duty let us study well let us excel in our jobs and let us be the perfect husband or the wife let us be great fathers and great mothers and raise a godly generations so that together just as how we come together on sunday for worship and we stand in the presence of the lord we will see each other and be proud when the lord calls each of us to his presence in 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 in, in towards his judgment seat and he says my good and my faithful servant let's applaud my good and my faithful servant let's give praise they did things that nobody else saw in this world and i want to glorify him right now in my presence and you and i will have a great smile in the presence of lord because we have learned to detach ourselves from all temporary things number 1 facing distress because of persecution number 2 being detached from temporal things number 3 verses 32 to 35 it's talk about fulfilling undistracted service to the lord undistracted service to the lord number 1 distress because of persecution number 2 being detached from temporal things number 3 fulfilling undistracted service to the lord let me read to you verse 32 to 35 there it says i would like you to be free from concern an unmarried man is concerned about the lord's affair how he can please the lord but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world how can he please his wife and his interests are divided an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the lord's affair her aim is to be devoted to the lord in both body and spirit but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world how she can please her husband i am saying this for your own good not to restrict you but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the lord look at what apostle paul says over here very clearly he says you know those of you who are single it's easier for you to be undistracted in your service to the lord but for us for us who are couples and for us who are parents it might not be that easy it's not impossible it might not be that easy but then you look at what he says in verse 35 i am not saying this to restrict you i am not saying that because of this you should not get married i am not saying this so that as you are married you should be upset about your marital status no but that whether you are single whether you are married together we learn to give undivided devotion to the lord which talks about our ministry let me ask all of you a question and can you loudly answer the question does the bible say we are ambassadors for christ yes. does the bible say that we are all ministers for the lord jesus does the bible why is it become so soft again does the bible say we need to go out and share the gospel yes. 
you know whether we are single whether we are married or not you and i must have undistracted service to the lord our marital status our singleness should not come in the way of our service to the lord jesus christ why because when we stand in the presence of the lord i am not going to hold ruby's hand at the judgment seat of christ that's not going to happen the lord's going to take me aside and he's going to ask ruby to sit there and he says i got to deal with this guy first and you and i will stand as individuals in the presence of our lord and whatever she has done for the lord she will receive the reward for it i can't sit there and gain and say she's done this much i will get that as well nothing and you and i must have undistracted service to the lord you look at the phrase that he uses undivided devotion to the lord in sharing the gospel in sharing the good news of the lord jesus christ in reaching out to those amongst us who are unwell and praying for them in 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 visiting people you know in being involved in all the ministries that the lord has blessed us as an assembly you and i need to give undistracted attention to it You remember the sermon on the mount Jesus Christ himself spoke in the gospel of Matthew chapter 6 he warned his followers of not being concerned about material things right he said don't worry about the shirt that you wear or the food that you eat don't you know that i am the one who feeds the or the sparrows and aren't you much more better than them and that's why the basis of that in Matthew 6:33 says but you seek first the kingdom of god comma and also his and all these little petty things that we worry about will be added to you let us all together as a church as calvary bible fellowship let us seek the kingdom of god first let us run after the ministry of the lord first let us not be undeterred let us give him our entire focus no matter what the church has asked us to do i will do it i will fulfill it i will share i will pray i will counsel i will do all that and i will seek the kingdom of god knowing that when i run behind all of these things these little things that i'm worried about will be added to me it will be added to me and that is talking about personal devotion to the lord you remember in the gospel of mark chapter 12 you remember the poor widow yes or no the poor widow comes to the temple and who's watching the poor widow come to the temple the lord jesus christ and what did the poor widow have in her hand two copper coins or two mites and did she hold one back but she gave everything that she have unto the lord jesus what did he say he say she has given much more <laughs> than the guys who are swiping their cards there much more than what those guys are doing because she gave out of the little that she had and that is devotion to the lord jesus christ devotion to the lord jesus christ means that i am willing to give my everything to the lord even if it means i have to sacrifice a lot in life even if it means i might have to live in a smaller house work with a smaller salary that's perfectly fine because i want to devote my time to the lord and sometimes when i devote my time to the lord i might not experience a lot of things or glory that is there in this world but that's okay with me because my attention and desire is serving the lord we all know the story of jim elliot how he wanted to share the gospel to those tribesmen living in in the oka village 
all of us know how jim elliot and four of his friends circled that place in their aeroplane for a very long time before they decided to get down can you imagine how the story continues to say that when they went with the gospel that the sight that greeted them were the tribesmen coming to meet them with spears and even before the first word of the gospel came out of their mouth each of them were speared to death each of them put yourself in that position and ask yourself what would you think to do in your mind at that time taking a selfie would not be the first thing that comes to our mind at that point of time right think of 10 15 people coming to you with spears you don't even know how to communicate with them or say stop we are not here to harm you and all five of them lost their life and you and i can look at that and say what's the point in all this but you and i know that the story does not end there it continues to say how elizabeth the wife of jim elliot went there later shared the gospel lived among the people dressed like them ate their food and today there are churches i've even read in the book as to the fact that she sat with the man who killed her husband and they would break bread together and that is devotion to the lord and it cannot come unless it comes from the lord jesus christ and jimelit is one of so many examples of men and women who have undivided devotion to the lord jesus christ sometimes we even find it very difficult to stay awake on a sunday morning for the sermon also right right it's a fact sometimes you find it so difficult to stay awake through the entire sermon because i was busy on a saturday night because i had a lot of things to do on a saturday that i found it difficult to wake up on a sunday come here on time preparing my heart to worship our lord what kind of devotion do we have toward the lord jesus christ my dear friends and that is basically what apostle paul is trying to say here in verses 26 to 35 he says no matter your marital status think about your relationship with the lord jesus christ are you a single what about in the midst of persecution would you be willing to lay down your life for the gospel in order for you to go through persecution you need to share the gospel but are you willing to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel what about us as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers would we be willing to sacrifice a family for the sake of the gospel If someone were to threaten my life and say if you do not deny Christ I will take your wife's life would I be willing to stand and say it's okay because I know she will go to heaven but I cannot deny the Lord Jesus Christ How do we face distress in the midst of persecution let's ask ourselves that question Number 2 are we detached from the temporal things of this world or do we run behind them Do we run behind useless relationships Do we run behind our sin our shame are addictions that give us some kind of peace for a brief period of time but do we detach ourselves from these temporal things and do we look forward to the coming of the lord jesus christ and detach ourselves devote ourselves and until the lord jesus christ comes we do our duty that the lord has asked me to do so that he calls me good and faithful he says i have done everything that the lord has asked me to do and do we fulfill undistracted service to the lord or do i blame my children because of the fact that i can't be involved do i blame my spouse do i say that because i'm single i can't serve the lord no 
But as a family, no matter what status we are in right now, let us completely devote ourselves into the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our relationship on this earth is very important, but the greatest example of relationship is when the Son of God became the Son of Man so that we who are the sons of men can become the sons of God. I say that again. Our relationship on this earth is very important. But the greatest example of relationship was when the Son of God became the Son of Man so that we who are sons of men can become sons of God. It's not easy to do this. It's a very simple two-paged sermon to preach this from the pulpit. But we need grace. And grace comes only from the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that we believe in the one who has overcome the world. And he came into this world to die for the sins of the whole of humanity so that anybody who understands the love of the Lord Jesus at the cross can come into his presence and ask for the forgiveness and say, I am a single man, I am a single woman, I am a husband, I am a wife, a father, a mother, a widow who struggles daily in my life. And Lord, would you give me the grace that I need every single day of my life? And the Lord promises to those who ask of the Lord Jesus Christ, He will give. And if there is any of my friends sitting here today, any of my friends, who's probably come here for the very first time, and if you're listening to a message like this, and if you've never heard the gospel before, or if there are any of you who've been coming here, but you've realized right now that you are not a child of God, can I ask you for a brief minute to examine your heart? Would you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come and live into your heart? God will give you the grace to live in your marital status. God will make sense to you in your marriage. God will allow you to understand why you are single. God will raise up the right person for you at the right time. God will teach us to be godly fathers. God will teach us to be godly mothers. God will enable us to understand why at a short time I had to become a widow. A widower. God will explain to me while I live on this world why I was set here as an example for the people in my church. The only person who can make sense to us irrespective of our marital status is the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I encourage anyone sitting here who is not having the Lord in your heart to open your heart and ask the Lord Jesus to come through. I want to close with this illustration. There's this person called uh, Joseph and uh, Joseph was in a, a relationship with a girl it's not you. And Joseph was in, madly in love with this girl that he was pledged to be married to. And the story goes on to say, it's a true story, that goes on to say that the day that they decided to meet each other, he was standing at his door and he opened his door and he saw his, his beloved, his would-be, coming to greet him riding a horse. And the, horse, uh, the, 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 the story goes on to say that she, uh, uh, you know, she tripped from the horse and fell down landed on her neck and because of which, because of that injury that happened, she died on the spot. If anyone has gone through any trauma like that, would understand the amount of disappointment that Joseph would have gone through. He was depressed for so many months. But months and years later, he was able to overcome that grief so much so that he was able to fall in love again. But you know what? Tragedy struck the second time and the second person that he was involved in a relationship also passed away because of an illness. You and I would not be able to understand what such a person would actually go through. But Joseph was a man of God. And one day he went to his room, closed his door, took a pen and a paper, and he wrote the words of a famous song that we sing 
in our churches today. He wrote down as he sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is for us to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged, but rather take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise you? Do they forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. And in his arms he'll take and shield you. Thou will find a solace there. Shall we pray? Father, we want to admit that we are not perfect. But we thank you that you are perfect. You are good. You are a loving and a gracious God. Father, we want to thank you that we can approach with our weaknesses And we know that you will grant us grace. Grace that is far greater than all our sins, Lord. And as a single man, as a single woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a widow, we come into your presence right now and we thank you for the teaching from thy holy word. Would you teach us, Lord, whatever the status we go through right now, that we would be willing to lay down our life for the sake of the gospel in the midst of persecution. Enable us to not be discouraged, but to go through trust when we are faced for the sake of the gospel. Lord, I pray that we would learn to detach ourselves from temporary things. That we would completely devote ourselves to the Lord. And while we look forward to your coming, we would fulfill our Christian duty on this world. Because Lord, I want to hear you call me good and faithful. I want to hear you say that I was faithful to everything you've entrusted me, Father. Lord Jesus, would you give us the grace to do that, Father? Would you give us the strength to do that, Father, Lord? We cannot do it without your grace. We cannot do it without your strength. But we pray that you would enable us to do that, Father, Lord. Lord, enable us to understand that we need to completely devote ourselves to the service of the Lord. Lord, enable me to never make excuses when it comes to the service of the Lord. Enable me to be a a disciplined Christian in our service to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we cannot do anything on our own strength. That's the reason why we want to take it to you in prayer. Lord, we want to find solace in your arms. And I want to pray for any of my friends who has not yet heard the gospel, that you would work in their hearts as well. Father, Lord, thank you for hearing our prayer. If you are to return today, what a joy it would be for us to be with you in your presence. But if you tarry one more day, one more week, would you give us the grace to live out a marital status in the light of your coming. Take all the praise, the glory and the honor because no one else but you is worthy to receive it. And thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer because we offer it through Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ.